Good morrow, homies. Today, we are going to be discussing Philip K. Dick and all of his uh, sci-fi insanity and uh, LSD-fueled plot lines. He did love LSD. There's only two kinds of people. People who've tried LSD and people who are taking LSD. No. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> I think there may be a mathematical error there. Yes. Well, it was perfectly in keeping with Robert Downey Jr.'s character in one of today's movies. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so just what's your, Philip, what's your Philip K. Dick preferences? He's got many uh, stories and movies and what have you. Um, probably best to keep it to the movies since we're on a movie podcast. But uh, any books or short stories you want to bring up is also fine. Well, I already know D. Hart's answer, so I'm going to go and not steal his. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I will go with or one that is a continuation of his story. Blade Runner 2049 is probably my favorite movie based on uh, based on works <laughs> of <laughs> Philip K. Dick. So obviously he didn't write the story of Blade Runner 2049, but he did write the story uh, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which was uh, what Blade Runner was based on. So... But I like Blade Runner 2049 more than I like the original Blade Runner movie. But I do love that movie as well. So You like all those blank stares. I fucking do, man. It's like, in my opinion, the first Blade Runner is like one of the best noir movies ever made. It is. Like, fucking ever. Blade Runner 2049, I feel like, just takes everything from Blade Runner and, and like makes it more engaging. And more pretty. <laughs> That's one of my, like beliefs having watched scanner or scanner darkly well we're, we're doing scanner darkly today <laughs> that's one of my beliefs having watched that one and thought about uh, his other materials a lot for the last week was that the world wasn't ready to make movies about his work like the only people interested in making the movies didn't have the ability to make these movies and it's like it's a rare Philip K. Dick movie that got the proper attention that it needed. Like, of course, uh, you know, some of the other options that are going to be chosen. And D-Hart, I see that you are uh, ready to reveal your pick. Okay, uh, the real Total Recall. Bless you. It's the original. Yeah, not to be confused with the sequel from, like, what, 2012, wasn't it? It was from a year that, who cares, fuck that movie. Yeah, the original, it, it's great. It kicks ass, there's amazing one-liners, great action, fun villains. I, I think they did the perfect thing with a Philip K. Dick story, is they take the concept and you trash the rest. <laughs> He's like, there's a golden nugget in there, grab that and run away. But that only works some of the time, because they did that with Next, and that movie was a piece of shit. Yeah, but that was kind of like in a... That was in a down period for uh, the uh, Nicolas Cage territory, you know? <laughs> Business was down. Yeah. yeah, he didn't put his full Nicolas Cage into it. If they would have done that like 10 years earlier, it probably would have been a lot better. It would have been a lot more action-y. Or if they did it now. Fair. It's still kind of a dumb fucking story, though. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no one's disagreeing with you on that. I can see three seconds into the future, or whatever the fuck it is. No, because he basically, basically there is no movie because he sees everything that's going to happen in a straight line, 
And then he changes like the very first thing. At about the one third point. <laughs> we technically only get one act in the movie. The rest of it is just him dreaming about the future. Spoiler alert. Fuck. <laughs> that movie's bad. It's not a spoiler. We're saving someone from watching I it. I mean, fuck. Spoiler alert. My my ass. We saved it. Yeah. We fucking rescued them from that movie. Spoiler alert. Philip's dick. <laughs> you know what? I, I take it back because that would never fucking work. It would never fucking work in a movie when you think, when you stop and think about the movie and realize none of it ever happened, it's bullshit. It it's is al- bullshit. It's always bullshit. It was all a dream. It was all a waste of my hour and a half. Total Recall is responsible for several of Arnold's best one-liners of his career, including "Consider that a divorce." Get your ass to Mars. See you at the party, Richter. Yep. <laughs> The fat lady head has a good one, too. Two weeks. Get ready for a big surprise. (laughs) (laughs) Two weeks. Yeah, I mean, it's just a classic movie. Up and down the card. You have not seen it, Cheats? I haven't seen it in probably... If the last Total Recall movie that you've watched is the remake, then there's no excuse. Yes, it is. (laughs) Yeah, Jesus Christ, Cheats. Get your ass to Mars. Like, w- Get your ass to a video store. Yeah. <laughs> if there is such a thing within your driving radius. Now, that said, I've seen so many Total Recall gifts on Imager. Yeah. All the damn time. And parodies. I mean, everything yeah. fucking parodies. So the reason that we say that the Total Recall sequel doesn't count as having existed is because they don't even go to fucking Mars in that movie. I thought it just didn't count because it sucked. That too. None of it. Well, I mean, there's action sequences in it that are, like, fun, and there's, like, good choreography and fighting and stuff, and it's, like, there are salvageable pieces in the movie, but overall, it's not fucking Total Recall, so stop it. I don't even remember if there was, like, the main core of him not being who he thinks he is, or maybe he is who he is. Yeah, there is. Yeah. I don't. I don't remember. It's... It's also bland. It's in there, and they leave it vague. Uh, Philip, what's your choice? Well, if I'm not going to pick Total Recall, which is like an all-time favorite movie ever, but D-Hart picked it, so I'll pick a different one. I guess I go with original Blade Runner, because original Blade Runner fucking slaps. And like Steven said, it's like one of the greatest noir movies ever made. And if you're kind of bored by noir movies, I understand that. But I appreciate the like human element of them, where it's just like, you're watching someone be tortured, essentially. I don't know if you guys have seen a lot like, of older noir, but they didn't have like the glacial pace of those of those those noir settings. They did they didn't move this kind of pace. It slowed way. No, they're not nearly as slow. No, it's essentially what you have here is the combination of two slow paced type of movies, which is a like hard hard sci fi and a noir. So when you combine those two things together, it's like freezing molasses. It's like this is like already a slow thing, and then you add slowness to it. But if you can stand it, it is it is slow. We have we have faster pace standards for movies now. We want them to be fast. Like half the movie is perfect. It's like the, all the world, the world, and uh, all mm-hmm. the bad guys. Great. Rucker Hauer. It's the other stuff where the bad guys are absent. That sucks. Yeah, I could see I could see people saying it. I just I deeply enjoy it. Like I like to snuggle up on like a rainy day and just watch a three thousand hour long two hour movie. One of the few uh movies of Harrison Ford's career that he gives a shit about. 
Yeah, which is really funny. Depending on which version you watch. Me and Cheats double featured the uh, both movies, and they actually complement each other really well. Uh, I think like the purpose of complimenting the first one was gone into the second one upon making. Like I think that was that was part of the focus, like to watch them back to back. Yeah, they're very good to follow up with, especially because uh, until I think we did that like what last year and. I hadn't watched time isn't Blade. real. I hadn't watched Blade Runner at all. First time I watched it was last year. Yeah. And I'm and you liked it a lot, right? Yeah, I liked uh, it quite a bit. I was gonna say it's a very cheats movie, and I think that's what sold it. I was like, cheats, we have to watch this. It's yeah. a cheats movie that you haven't seen, right? I mean, but, uh, yeah, he's got like sci-fi guns and dusters and fucking flying badass cars and like everything's hyper, you know, stylized Japanese style. All right, cheats, what you got for us? And I'm really interested in What's your pick left? here. Yeah, I mean, well, so here's the problem. My answer is going to be both Blade Runner movies. Okay. The the problem with what's left here is, as far as like Philip K. Dick movies, we have the Blade Runner movies, which are great. We have Total Recall, it's really good. Can't remember jack shit about it. Yeah. Minority Report, I also remember being really good. Don't remember fucking anything about. It. Yeah, so, okay. uh, so of course, like what I have to go with is the things that I do actually remember. My thing with like both Blade Runner movies is like. You just kind of have to ask me on the day which I which one I like better. Yeah, twenty forty nine at this point has more things that interest me like currently with like the color scheme, a lot of the design things, a lot of the musical choices. Original Blade Runner fucking slaps though. Um, super super fucking good. Um, I honestly haven't interacted with like a lot of like Philip K. Dick stuff in general. I've only read like a couple of his books. Mostly what I've like read and interacted with has been like other things that are just pointing at Philip K. Dick kind of kind of jet like stuff at, at the risk of having an entire intro talking about Blade Runner I think that we should talk about Minority Report for a second because it's probably Philip K. Dick's biggest release yeah uh regarding adaptation wise because Steven Spielberg absolutely it's got fucking Tom goddamn Cruise in it it was a Spielberg movie wasn't it it was a Spielberg movie and Tom Cruise was the lead in it and also I've been listening to Tom Cruise slander from all angles for the last three days by the way and I would just like to point out that I really fucking enjoy Minority Report I think it's filmed really well I love the story and Tom Cruise runs his ass off in that movie (laughs) there's so much (laughs) interesting overlap Tom Cruise is in Minority Report but also so is Colin Farrell who is also in Total Recall Remake. You know why we no but, one remembers um, him in Minority Report? Because he's very forgettable. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure he Well, I mean, he's he's not allowed to be rememberable in a Tom Cruise movie. He's just not. Another movie that I, literally no one ever talks about or thinks about, but I actually really enjoy. I don't watch it that much, so you know it's been it's been over ten years, but Paycheck is a really fun movie. Like it's it's espionage and science fiction and yeah. fucking Ben Affleck. I think it's a fun movie. Yeah, fucking Ben fucking Affleck. Who doesn't like Affleck? Yep. And uh, Uma Thurman, I think, was in that movie. Yep, Aaron Eckert, Paul Giamatti. Uh, a couple movies that we podcasted that were Philip K. Dick movies. Um, Morning Patrol, which was barely was based on like. The... Oddly enough, that is not on the wiki. Oh, okay. It's not. It's not on the wiki, and it's not on when you search Philip K. Dick movies on Google, even though movies that aren't Philip K. Dick movies do show up. That's because the movie was based on an excerpt from his book, from one of his short stories. A literal a literal one sentence. <laughs> Honestly, I feel like uh, some of these other ones are more based on his work, even though they weren't written by him. Yeah. Screamers also 
uh, we Man. podcasted. That's Screamers. a fun one with Peter Weller. Screamers is a good middle of the road time. Yes, I agree. I was gonna say that. Um, it's it's a fun movie. I think it's it's a sci- it's an old eighties sci fi movie that tried to steal from Alien, and that's fine. It's ninety five. Oh, was it nineties? Ninety five. God damn, that movie looks like shit. I never looked up what year it was, but it looks like it's from the eighties. Like it does. I think it had like a super low budget. Yeah, but it it also has Peter Weller and Killer Robots in it, so that's cool. Yeah. Also, one that uh, no one ever talks about that I really enjoyed was Imposter. I've never seen it with uh, Gary Sinise. It's it's completely off my radar. It's pre hard sci fi. Gary Sinise is the lead. It's kind of like a replicant storyline. Uh, not bad, honestly. Okay. No one fucking talks about it ever, dude. I fuck with Gary Sinise. You're the one who's seen it. <laughs> It was just you. <laughs> yeah, I'm the one person. I, I've never heard of this movie. Vincent D'Onofrio's in it. I just watched The Adjustment Bureau for the second time, like a week and a half ago, or two weeks. That's kind of what got me started on this, because I forgot that was a Philip K. Dick story, like, altogether. And it's actually really fucking good, that movie. It's got Matt Damon for the lead, so it's like, it can only reach a certain level of acting achievement, like... He, I like Matt Damon as an actor. He's really fun and entertaining, but also I just feel like there's a level of actor that's out of his reach, and he just he just can't get to that. But overall, a really good movie, and it has Emily Blunt in it, so it's like, come on. All right, you guys ready to talk about these maybe Philip K. Dick movies? <laughs> no, but yes. <laughs> All right, so uh, welcome to Motion Picture Meltdown. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen the Rest Rosenberg. Phil the Kill Collins. Cheats the Streets McGee. Andy Hart. And uh, Phil, you chose the movies for us today. Yes, I did. And I chose two movies that Google said were Philip K. Dick movies, which were Megaville from 1990, starring our uh, favorite Zaniac, and uh, A Scanner Darkly, 2006, with Keanu Reeves. And a somewhat all-star cast. I guess because they didn't have to... um, It was probably a little easier... A little bit less pressure whenever you know it's all going to be drawn over top of afterwards. Half-ass drawn over. Well, it also, with Scanner Darkly, like, all the main cast, they just got handed the script, and every single one of them was just like, I have to fucking be in this movie. I have to. That's fucking tight. Honestly. But why? <laughs> bro, I don't know. All right, D-Heart. <laughs> Calm down. You'll get your chance to talk shit about this movie. Yeah, well... We'll get the scanner directly. Let's let's hit up Megaville since chronologically first. Yeah. Let's. Also, it's completely random just because Steven has it up on IMDb already. But also, it's much more boringer. A sci-fi fantasy about a world where it is illegal to enjoy any kind of media except in a place called Megaville. After ki- I'm not reading all of this. No, that's it's it. A, it's a- that's it. That's <laughs> okay. the si- that's the plot. You you did it. I was gonna say this is like. Six sentences. Something I always wanted to see the entire time I was watching this movie is some kind of, like, explain to me how does the world work? Like, because they don't, like, right there in that sentence, they've already told us more information than what we get in the movie. Yeah. Because I didn't know that Megaville, for all I know, Megaville is the entire world and this other place is like Russia or something. Like, there's no way to fucking know because they never fucking explain it. I thought that they explained that there's two major major provinces. At this point... Yeah, but one might be almost the whole planet. You know what I'm saying? Like They explain it a lot more than Phillips giving credit. Yeah, it, it doesn't really explain jack shit. So, 
what is said in the movie <laughs> is that the world at this point is split between two mega states. The mega states consist of the hemisphere and Megaville. And Megaville. Yes. In the hemisphere, which is where we start out, we get some scenes, but most of the movie takes place in Megaville. The hemisphere um, almost has like a brutalist architecture. It, I think, what I was reading is like some of the inspiration was like pre the the fall of the wall Berlin kind of thing. Um, very dark, very dour. Uh, media is just not fucking allowed there. Uh, apparently, you're just not allowed to have fun. I guess. I'm adding the guess because again, it just doesn't explain it. The entire time that like Phil that I've been, I was watching this movie, I just kept being like, "But why?" And in the case of Megaville, well, that's explained at the very end. Yes, in the case of Megaville, which is a little late. For- this is like media is supposed to be allowed there, but we're also told by one of the characters from the Hemisphere that Megaville like crime is rampant, drug use is all over the place. Just being outside can get you fucking killed, kind of thing. And near as I can tell, I think Megaville's like, I in California somewhere. You get a shot of the the um, like aqueduct thing that you see in a lot of eighties movies, like Terminator Two. That's that's well, Los Angeles. Yeah, that is. It's a nineties movie. Close enough. Listen, time's not real. Uh, it's true. It isn't. It's a construct. But <laughs> they never do a good job of showing that Megaville apparently is a shithole. So. No. I just continually ask questions. Yeah, Megaville seems like the place that you would prefer to live if you were in this world. For sure, because you you like have some liberties, even if it's more dangerous to live. To me, the confusing part was uh, there's the two there's the two uh, like governmental bodies, Megaville and the Hemisphere, but there's just a lot of desert in between that I guess. Nobody has any uh, control over. No, they call it. They call the the one government the hemisphere, and I'm like, okay. So first of all, the Earth is broken up into into four hemispheres, and well, it's two sets of two. Well, okay. So then, then fine. Then you then you then you own an entire hemisphere. That means that the other hemisphere is owned by Megaville. So regardless, it, it could also be called the hemisphere. It's fucking stupid. Like that very name just like drug me down i'm like trying to imagine like okay so what where are we like what is this yeah i have a really hard time trying to figure out what the general setting was supposed to be for this because with it supposed to be kind of a like you know philip k dick kind of inspired thing he did a lot of sci-fi stuff but a lot of things it was kind of ground grounded in like a certain amount of realism so like the the kind of more at least the stuff i read like fantastical sci-fi elements would be something like Blade Runner where there's androids or like one of the books of his I read was Ubik and they have like a lot of a, um, advanced technology that almost kind of reminds me of like um, like classic sci-fi or kind of a Ray Punk theme like they, they can travel between the earth and the moon within a couple hours kind of thing but mostly it seems like someplace from like the 60s with Megaville you have the the hemisphere, and they chose a lot of dress code that seems very similar to like fascism uh, and things like that, and that makes sense for kind of a hard sci-fi. But we don't get a good. I mean, that's kind of what they're going for. Yeah, we don't get a huge look at like a lot of stuff in the hemisphere on purpose because it's not necessarily showing as much. Too expensive. Yeah. Yeah, too expensive. There's there's no budget for this movie, but there's like enough stuff that it kind of gives it like a sci-fi ish like, low sci-fi theme. 
the problem is as soon as we go to Megaville, where you know one of the main problems with this uh, with the plot in this movie is they have this new drug. I say in air quotes, which is just a thing that you wear on your head, and it gives you images of like an alternate life kind of thing. So the thing is going to become addicted to brains. That is the most sci-fi element in this entire movie. Otherwise, everything just looks like they're just in '90s Los Angeles because they are. There is no sci-fi. We podcasted a movie where this was the plot, right? I'm trying to remember who the fuck was in it. This is really close to, uh, what is the name of that fucking thing? Strange Days. Oh, yeah, yeah. Strange Days. I was going to say, I know it was one that D-Hart rode the fuck out for. And it was a good movie. I liked that movie. Strange Days is cool. Uh, Who starred in Strange Days? Ray Fiennes. Oh, that's right. That's why I couldn't remember. The headgear in this movie is very similar. It's... Very similar concept to uh, the Strange Days headgear, where uh, the users can hide it under a wig, buy drug. Oh, it's like it's like it is. It acts like a drug, but uh, it's like a, they're buying dreams. I think this yeah. is dream a something. Dream a life. Dream a life. In Strange Days, they're living experiences that someone else recorded. Like so, the, yeah, they're. They're not just, like, creating them. They're, like, literally... I mean, they are creating them by doing it, but, like, the actual recordings aren't fabrications. They're just literal memories that someone else had. And that's um, supposed to be what has happened to Billy Zane's character, but in a more laboratory setting with, like, a thing being injected into his brain. No, because uh, this is... It's hard to explain because they don't explain it. <laughs> but somehow they've taken uh, the lady from Twin Peaks. They took her son and they replaced him with a guy that's from Megaville. But they've brainwashed him into thinking he's the son. That's exactly what I said. By implanting <laughs> memories from this guy who is in a coma for the entire movie. Actually, he looked like he looked like he was dead when they drug him out. But whatever. Oh god, it's just so complicated. <laughs> it is, and it's it's um <laughs> But it's the same concept from Total Recall. Someone gets memories implanted in them and it's like they're supposed to go undercover. This is kind of like from the up opposite view. Yeah. But he really is that guy, as we find out later in the movie, and he's the implant went the other way. It's like the new identity is the uh is the law enforcement. Yes, that's the grafted on one. And they make that kind of clear because nobody from the hemisphere who isn't like operating on him in or his direct superiors, nobody from there ever sees him. So it's like it, nobody recognizes him there, but we don't. I mean, maybe they would, you know, at, at the beginning of the movie, we think maybe they would, but uh, we never see him interact with anybody who's not trying to deliberately send him on this mission. So you know what I found distracting about this whole thing? The voiceover. Oh, fucking voiceover! No, well, that is the voiceover is really bad because this guy is too mumbly. He's too mumbly to do it. But uh, what I was gonna say was uh, Billy Zane's hair. Yeah, the widow's peak. Because it's cut so <laughs> short, but he has such a distinct hairline. It's like, is this a fucking wig? Something that I somewhat recently found out. Essentially, all of the time, if you see somebody's hair on screen, it's a fucking wig. Like essentially all of the time. Okay, well this is this is very bad. <laughs> I think Billy Zane has been bald for a long time. No, it is bad. 
But also Billy Zane is extremely bald, so he, this is almost for sure a wig. But for whatever reason, they made it look... This was 1990, though. He still had hair. I think this is about as much hair as he had. No, I think he was bald before this. Yeah, like... Because I think he Dead Calm was just like a little bit before this, and he was. I'm pretty sure he was fully bald and dead calm, wasn't he? I can't remember. It, it would have made yeah. sense. No. I mean, if he was, he was wearing a very good wig. Not like this time. <laughs> I don't I don't remember when Billy Zane went bald, but the point is you're oh, right. No, he did have full he did have full. The hair, hair looks horrendous in in this movie. Yes, it look it It looks like a helmet. It looks like plastic. You know how Mega Man has like the uh, very distinct yes. widow yes. piece in his helmet? It's yes. the exact yes. same thing here. <laughs> and it's like it's like does, whose hair grows like that? Dude, it reminds me of the fake hair on that android in Silent Night Deadly Night Five. That yeah. was... Yes, it's very much like it's except for that was literally plastic. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of the major issues I mean, since we're talking about Billy Zane anyway, but one of the major issues with this movie is like I feel like it would be somewhat in, like interesting or like more engaging if a single one of the actors was inspired. Yeah, Billy nobody. Zane, Billy Zane's is just memorable. here for a pair chat. Normally, Billy Zane like at least comes to play. Yeah, you know what I mean. He's like, you know what? I'm gonna do wacky's Billy Zaniac thing. He does a little bit of wackiness in this movie, but it's so few and far between of him just looking like confused and bored, which is supposed to be his his motivation is your brain hurts and you don't know what's going on. Now act. Okay. As he's on this mission, he gets a little off track because the president of Megaville was assassinated. And, like, nobody seems to fucking care. And for some reason, he really cares. And it's like, I'm going to go investigate this. And he goes and finds, like, a the one witness who is a groundskeeper. Willie the groundskeeper. Uh, he's in a... <laughs> he's in VR therapy. Which, some has for some reason, has him being some kind of, like, Napoleon-type character. I'm not sure exactly what's going on here. But he pulls him out of that. And he's got him. And that is uh, what turns out to be his dad. <laughs> this hitman he's been hanging out with just shoots him in front of him. It's, it's like, such a he, stupid twist. But this reaction, that's Billy Zane. It's like, he does this arm swinging around thing. Yeah. Like, You've seen this before. This is in, he, he does this exact same thing in like Demon Knight. I never think about it, but his performance in Titanic is so outside of his his normal zany behavior. Like, he gets violent in that movie, but it's not violent in a goofy way. It's violent in a violent no, way. No, it's in a scary way. You know, yeah. He's, he's, he's fantastic in that movie. Yeah, he is. He's a great, he's a great villain. Well, that's that. no Demon Knight. I think he's just a good actor, but just usually ends up in roles that are more appropriate for the wacky acting. The whacting, if you will. Just reminds me of Zoolander every time I think about Billy Zane. <laughs> <laughs> you better listen to your friend, Billy Zane. <laughs> fucking amazing another thing that that really doesn't help with this is the, the character that billy zane is playing is just so boring and incompetent like it, it's boring by its nature like he's supposed to be like just constantly in pain and confused and that's not an interesting person to look at like oh he doesn't know what he's doing and he just is in a fog well that's fun yeah so on top of having the memories implanted in him he also has a a radio <laughs> Oh, yeah, that's right. He's got an explosive device that's rigged to his brain. So, like, all of this feels very much like a plotline from the movie um, 
or from the from the TV show Archer, and it's literally called a Kruger device, which in the in in Archer it was implanted by the Russians, but then Krieger implants it in somebody else. So it's like it's an, exactly the same device. Like they constantly are losing connection to it, and it makes you go crazy, and it can control your mind, but kind of, but not really, and. Like, it's literally the same fucking thing. It's exactly the same. So they they either stole it from a different Philip K. Dick story or they stole it from this, which is a ripoff of Philip K. Dick, as we apparently found out after the fact. See, like, last night, whenever I started Mega, Megaville, Megamind, <laughs> whenever I started Megaville, I got, I immediately, after like maybe 20 minutes, I got onto the chat and I was like, please let no one have already started watching this. And then D-Hart like had a comment about how he had watched it and I was like, fuck. <laughs> Well, I can't cancel it now. Yeah, it was the first movie I watched as well. Yeah, I watched it this morning, but I didn't know that it wasn't a Philip K. Dick story because it kind of feels like one. Because yeah. uh, I've read a few of his stories, and some of them are really good, and some just aren't very good. And this this whole thing is very cyberpunk. It is, but like, but without all of the trappings, they didn't set dress it cyberpunk. Yeah. Well, what I told Cheats this morning is he said it's it's interesting, but not very good, and I was like. It's just not the type of short story that needs a movie. Yeah. Like, it is. it does not translate well to something that engages people on screen. Except for that it easily could, but this was super low-budget 90s TV movie. Like... It's a, it's an ins, it's insane that they got the people from Twin Peaks and uh, and Billy Zane. It's crazy that they did. I mean, honestly, they only got Billy Zane because it's his first time. This is his first lead role. Yeah, the one-armed man. I I thought he was going to be like the overlord of this like a uh, dystopian society, but you see him one time and he's gone. Uh, he it was directed by Peter Lenner, who he I think directed one other thing, which was a show called Euro Cops, and it was just about it's a crime. It was like a crime series from Europe. <laughs> See, now you said he directed... The problem with Megaville is the runtime on this movie is an hour and 35 minutes, and somehow that's too long for this. There's not an hour and a half worth of movie in this. There's maybe 45 minutes. I think it would make a low to moderate episode in a Philip K. Dick-inspired Amazon series. Yeah, because... <laughs> Like an episode four. <laughs> you mean Electric Sheep? You mean the show that's based on Philip K. Dick's works? That's literally that? I didn't say based. I said inspired. <laughs> yes. Remember, this is Dick inspired. There is so much of this movie, because the, the main gist of the plot is Billy Zane is thinks he's a cop, but he's not actually, and he's sent undercover back to Megaville to pose as a particular person. And the reason he's going there... He poses himself. <laughs> yeah, the reason he's going there is because the dictator of the CKS, which is like the fascist government that's part of the, the hemisphere, he wants a deal for Dream Life, like the, the drug headband electronic bullshit we were talking about because having that will then make it easier for them to keep people in control in the hemisphere well specifically the people that were already like doing the illegal stuff of watching entertainment is like well they're not going to be if if we eliminate all the entertainment they can get all the entertainment media then they're going to have to turn to this new media which will have they're going to be the suppliers of in uh in the hemisphere through, you know, their back alley means. And so much of the movie 
is devoted to having scenes of this dictator, the like the doctor and like his right hand man, and Billy Zane's mom, air quotes, just doing something. See, see, like that right there. Cheech just Cheech just did it. Right there is the part of the movie that is. It, every time you jump back to them, it takes you out of the story because this motley crew of characters would not stay together for an entire movie's length worth of like interactions. Like they literally just stay in this one room because of budgetary reasons, I assume. They literally stay in just this one room the whole movie. It's just the four of them arguing, and it's just like, is this a fucking stage play? Because why can't we switch fucking like settings? Like. Why would the science be going on in the same exact place where this guy is on life support? And also, like, it's, it's fucked. It's stupid. Like, the the mom wouldn't be there. Why would she be there? Like, for what? They just have to keep her around so that she can be the last-ditch effort and talk to Billy Zane through his mind, through the mind chip. Okay, do you want to go ahead and just jump to the... Yeah. I use plural there because it's kind of got an ending and then an ending on top of that. Sum it up for us, D-Hurt. Okay, so... uh. Billy Zane, he grabs one of these dream of life things, and since he's got this transmitter in his head, he dreams this thing about him going on Megaville t- television and saying, "Hey, I've got all the dirt. I got all the dirt right in my apart in my uh, hotel room." I hope nobody comes the, uh, out and pounds it. Yeah, <laughs> and, and uh, like this, the dictators' like advisors are saying, eh, "This doesn't look right. I'm not sure about this," and he's saying. Well, fuck you. Just go ahead and get, bring me the goddamn <laughs> briefcase. And it turns out it was a bomb br- briefcase. There was a setup that is in one line, and I completely forgot about. <laughs> he blows up his his mom, which isn't his real mom. but <laughs> Boom. They all explode. Twist. Big twist. She got killed already. Yeah, she was already dead. Okay, wh- whatever. <laughs> well, no, it's important to the plot, Philip. It's you gotta really know. Cool. I mean, it's it's the only it's thing not. important to the plot is the twist of that she's not really his mom. Yeah. It doesn't matter whether she lives or dies. No one cares. No. Including him. But yeah, so uh, the top of their building gets exploded. And that's one of the endings that Dehar was saying. The other is this like hitman, drug dealer type dude. His name is Newman. Um, he, Newman. He's been having, like, the voiceover for the movie is, is him. As he, like, explains certain things in the plot, which is... Takes me completely out of it. What is this fucking outfit he has on the whole movie? It's like a it's like a ill fitting like stolen suit that he found in the trash. It looks like, and he's just he's just sauntering around the whole movie, shooting people or doing whatever the fuck he does. But it's just like he sucks. There's nothing stylistic about. Like, why did they think this was a good choice? I swear to God, they were just like. We have this outfit. Put it on. We, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, there's there is nothing appealing about this dude. He does like he offers nothing because anytime he's also on screen is when he's talking to Billy Zane and going back to the fact that Billy Zane's character is incompetent and the entire movie is people just telling him that he sucks. Every scene with him is this guy telling him that he sucks, and then there's like this twist of him just being like, "No, you're actually this other dude, and I'm actually your dad." Adds nothing. Doesn't do anything. Why is that even there? No. It, it serves no purpose. Yet, the two characters were virtually unrelated, like, in their in their goings-on. And ultimately, our, our second ending uh, that happens here is he's followed Billy Zane out to the desert, which a good portion of the movie takes place in. 
uh, shoots and kills him, and then looks and sees, oh no, he's he's handcuffed himself to my my ankle. So now he has a dead body handcuffed to his ankle. What an inconvenience! You'll just have to cut off his hand. <laughs> yeah, he's dead. He gives he, a shit. He's not that far from his car. Or maybe just use the gun to shoot the handcuff. I would. I would use the gun to I shoot mean, the hand off. You could. <laughs> Does that work? Whatever. Uh, yeah, I was going to say I would shoot off his hand. Um, I would just pulverize the actual hand and then pull the arm out of it. Yeah, you know right. what I mean. Like I think that would be your best bet. I mean, your other your other good bet is to shoot shoot the shoot the wrist and maybe shoot you know shoot it enough times that it's weakened. But I think that's a that's a riskier one. I think it's going to be harder to get it out. And really, at this point, we don't we don't have any kind of reason why his dad would show up in the middle of nowhere and then shoot him. If he's in the middle of nowhere and, you know, laying on the ground like he's going to die, he's probably just going to die. You can just call it a day. Well, that's the Assassin's Creed, if you will. (laughs) You got to actually get eyes on death if you're there to kill someone. Are you ready to go? (laughs) (laughs) One thing that I think uh, is a link between these two movies, and I think it's more applicable to this one, but I feel like there's these noir-style voiceovers in both these movies that just don't fit at all. Like, they don't feel like noir movies. This one a little bit more than Scanner, Scanner Darkly, but they both don't fucking fit. They And like you said, it takes you out of the movie. They, Even more than you already were in a movie. You, I was never really into this movie. No. So it's not really much... There's not a whole lot that can take you out of it if you're not With a good screen adaptation, I think any Philip K. Dick story would be a fine story to adapt if you just knew how to do it. There's no way to do it directly because it's a, it's a novel. And for whatever reason, the lazy writers who are adapting his stories are always like, you know what we'll do instead of having exposition that explains the plot that like every other fucking movie, we're just going to have a fucking voiceover slap that on there and just be done with it. And it's like, that's too lazy. Do effort. Philip K. Dick stories. A lot of times the ones that are made into movies are like 80 to 100 pages long. You know what I mean? Like, they aren't meant... They're not meant to be movies. Yeah, they're short. It's a lot of the issues that you run into with Stephen King with some of the movies and shows that have been made off of his short stories. It's like, sometimes novellas can work because novellas are usually a little longer. They're around 200 to 300 pages sometimes uh, at their longest. But it's like short stories that are... 50 pages long like there weren't enough scenes to make it into a movie like you have to take that that piece and make a movie out of the director of Eurocops doesn't really seem like he uh he was the right choice to to build on to a story no. he didn't write the, the adaptation you know what i mean like well it, this isn't an adaptation but yeah he did write he said this. that he did well two other people also got higher credits than him i'm sure he had input regardless um one more thing about Megaville before we run off over to Scanner Darkly and have many of the same things to say about that. <laughs> the poster. Well, the poster's trash. I can't even tell what's going on on it. It looks like someone's um, coming and there's an earth in the background. And... There's a tape. There's a tape uh, ba- uh, artwork for like a VHS. If you go left on the pictures on IMDb instead of going right like you would naturally do. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> That one's much more, it, at least it has stuff from the movie. Yeah. Yeah, that's not what it was. Trash. Um, whenever, last night when I discovered that this was not a Philip K. Dick story, and I was even more angry that I had no time, that it was too late to switch it. 
Because I was like so close. I was like, fuck it. I'm switching to Total Recall. We've already done it, but Cheats wasn't on that podcast, and it's truly a crime that he hasn't he doesn't remember this movie. And then it was too late. But um what, an article that I read that was arguing that this wasn't a Philip K. Dick adaptation was like like just because they were saying that it was too similar to a scanner darkly, not total recall. And actually like after having read that, I was like, oh, Scanner Darkly is a lot like Total Recall, which makes sense. They're written by the same dude, but um, he's also having a crisis of of identity, and because he's a double agent, and like he literally through the use of drugs is like forgetting who the fuck he even is. I would I would say that's probably an ongoing theme because of the use of hallucinogenics sometimes are associated with disassociative disorders. Yeah. Again, I'm not a doctor, so don't take me on this as as 100% accurate. Fuck you. It might be both ways. Like, it might work the opposite of how you're explaining it. Like, it might be that if you have an, a disorder where you feel like you don't even, like, you have, like, a another personality inside of you or, like, you don't exactly know who you are, then you might be more likely to take LSD because you're like, maybe this will fix it or, like, make me understand it. I don't know. If you're going by the... Uh... The tag, the uh, add-on on the end of a Scanner Darkly, it's hard, kind of hard to say that uh, <laughs> that it's one way or not the other. Yeah. It seems like a pretty strong anti-drug statement. It, it's, it's just like whenever people say that like absolute power corrupts, and it's like, no, I think just it's, it literally is backwards. Like, if you, if you are the kind to go and get absolute power, you already are an asshole. Like, you just have to be. You have to be an asshole to want to rule other people's lives and tell them what to do and impose your will upon them. So, you know, you never know. The chicken or the egg, it's a age-old question. Which one did we get first? D-Hart, why don't you tell us about Scanner Darkly? Okay, well, uh, an undercover cop in the not-too-distant future becomes involved with a dangerous new drug and begins to lose his identity as a result. Accurate. <laughs> Accurate. Yeah. Yes. I feel like we need to grade these things. Yeah. <laughs> we do, unfortunately. We, I mean, we have been for years at this point because they mostly aren't accurate and or filled with spoilers and or extremely poorly written. But, uh, yeah, this one works. Yeah. But this one gets the point Ding! and it, it's all true. This one gets the $8 Twitter certification. Also a strange release from Richard Linklater, in my opinion. Normally he does uh, dramas and, uh, like artsy romance movies um, yes he, he normally does stuff that i don't give a fuck about and this i mostly just don't <laughs> give a fuck about just mostly not completely i think that's i think that that's what they were trying to get like they're like man these all these philip k dick adaptations are always like too sci-fi to the point where you like almost can't watch it and uh i think he was trying to bring a little bit of that sort of like more accessible movie style and the reason D-Hart doesn't give a fuck about Richard Linklater movies is because D-Hart doesn't care about movies that are easily accessible because he's already, he, you know, he's past that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, he wants a movie that's a little bit harder working. Some people watch movies for, like, solid acting. I'm looking for interesting ideas. Yes. That's, to me, the, the joy of watching movies. Like, And uh, where you get interesting, weird ideas is from the lower end. You gotta be in a, in a you have yep. to be in genre movies, because that's where that's where the weirdos. It's true. Are. 
And I want to hear from the weirdos. That's where the weirdos shine. And where, um, in, in most often, that's where the money doesn't go because, again, the lack of accessibility. Like, people want... I don't know. People who are funding movies want to release movies that everybody loves, not just... But this is not... This is not that. Well, right. That's I think that's the confusion of the whole production is that it's it's star filled with good acting for the most part and being helmed by someone who usually does a fucking more boring, more pedantic, easier to get to sort of story. Yeah, the cast is stacked. There's there's no doubt about it. Yeah, there's no there's uh, no arguing that. This was uh, during a time when Keanu Reeves was doing more. Uh, <laughs> Doing more actual acting in his acting rather than just like being the the stoic killer type that he has is starting to be in, in more movies. Yeah, our our like four main actors in this movie consist of Keanu Reeves, Winona Ryder, Robert Downey Jr., and Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. And near as I could tell with which with each one of them, um, they all read the script and immediately were just like, I need to be in this movie. And in the case with Anola Ryder, all she needed to know, actually I think Robert Downey Jr. as well, all they needed to know is Keanu Reeves were going to be in it. So they, they wanted to be in on it. And then well, in the case... This was still during Matrix times, right? Um... Because Matrix 1 was 99, and then yeah. the two were probably within the next four years. Yeah, and then... I think it was immediately after. I think, I think this is directly following... I, I'd have to look when Matrix Revolutions came out, but... I want to say it came out faster than this movie. Yeah, and then uh, Keanu Reeves and Winona Ryder also both did this for... I think they did it for Actors Guild rates, as well as like any sort of residuals that came off of this movie. 2003 was Matrix Revolution, so three years before this came out. They had wrapped up. There's all sorts of just like really unique things as far as like what actors are involved in this and how they got there. Another unique thing, uh, I'm not going to say it's a good thing, but I'm going to say it's a unique thing, uh, is they chose to do, like, rotoscoping animation on this movie, which, that's certainly an option that you could do. So, um, I don't know how Steven feels about the animation, um, but I honestly love it. Like, I liked it less the first time I saw it in 2006, and I like it more now. It looks terrible. (laughs) There were parts that looked shitty. Yeah. There were like, and it was usually because of a, like an extremely complex camera movement that they just didn't know how to like make it look right. I don't think like it was fucking two thousand six. Like they were really pushing what they could do with animating a whole live movie. My opinion on it is that there's no other movie in existence really that looks like this movie, and uh, that's super unique. Regardless of how you feel about whether the animation is. On par or, or, you know, good or not good, uh, it's very unique. Uh, I don't know that it should have cost $8.7 million. To- I'm, I feel like that's cheap in 2006 to have this completely... It's the highest It's the highest grossing uh, animation, rotoscope animation ever done. Uh, I, I thought it's... I, I think it's good. I liked it. I especially liked all the bug stuff in the beginning, which I thought was really neat looking. There- and it still didn't make enough money to... Really? See, like, I think here's here's the deal the first time i watched this i i wasn't high or drunk i had i had a full night's sleep i was fine like i i just sat down and was like hey let's watch scanner darkly fuck it turn this motherfucker on and it skeezed me the fuck out 
Oh, I hated the bug stuff. It made me so uncomfortable <laughs> to watch this movie the first time I watched it. Just because everybody's constantly like changing shape and like the lighting is like all over the place. It's just wild. And it like fucks with your eyes. But um the second time around, I don't know why, but um I enjoyed it all of it. Like I I I, ex- I was expecting the animation to be kind of shitty because D-Hart and Cheats were both like this movie's animation is puke. But I thought it was really fucking good and effective. Well, I mean, I think a lot of what your initial feelings have to do, and I still feel this way, is like the a lot of the characters in this movie are on drugs, like pretty pretty significant drugs, and they are acting like it. And most people that aren't normally doing a lot of uh, at least types of drugs that they're doing in this movie, you don't want to be around those people. Like they yeah. they make you uncomfortable, and they're unpredictable, and they're like yeah overwhelming and exhausting and that's what pretty much every character is in this movie and i was much more likely to be around those sorts of characters and i wasn't doing any drugs at all at that time when i was uncomfortable with it so it's like literally because i was like i might end up at some person's house and they like they might all be doing hardcore drugs like the possibility of that like now it's like that would never happen because i don't know anyone or associate with anyone you know what I'm saying? Like, it's just not, it's not likely to happen now. So maybe that's why it doesn't make me uncomfortable, like, at all. I'm the master of my domain. What you're saying is we used to hang out with people that would just do, do cocaine off the living room table. That's, that's what exactly what I'm saying. And, like, that, <laughs> and honestly, like, I, I'm less uncomfortable. I think I would be less uncomfortable around those kind of people now because I am a lot more sure of who I am because at that time I just was less sure. But, um... Yeah, I honestly was not uncomfortable at all in this movie. Like, I found it extremely entertaining when I watched it yesterday. But yeah, so let's get into it. My general opinion on on the animation, because like, I think I said before, like, I like animated stuff more than I like uh, any sort of like live action things. With this, there are some scenes I think that look really good. Almost any scene that is devoted to just Keanu Reeves when he is doing the uh, like undercover stuff, um, like the scramble suits, kind of cool. Like when he's in any sort of means. Generally, you know when when they're in a room, if that makes any sort of sense, I think the animation looks really good. Um, I think any time Robert Downey Jr. is on screen, it looks horrible, and I think that's just because Robert Downey Jr. does too many like Robert Downey Jr. facial animations, if you know what I mean. And the road he made this really hard on the animation team, and they were like. Fuck this. We can't keep up with all these faces you're making. And it, it, like, stop it, it. just doesn't benefit us. He's it. too good at acting like he's on drugs because... Well, but during this period, he probably was. <laughs> no, I don't think so. I think he was done with them. Yeah, at this he was point. clean. This was, like, right before Iron he, Man. He had just yeah. become clean, like, recently, around this time. Like, a little earlier, but, like, around this time. And you can tell, like, he's... Like I, I feel like a lot of Robert Downey Jr.'s performance in this is just him remembering what it was like to be on a fuckload of drugs and be like fucked up and paranoid and like depressed and anxious and, and you know, I, I, it came through really hard even though they weren't able to keep up with his facial animations. His his acting like broke. Yeah, through. I, I would say the animation is more good than bad overall, but there are some scenes, like, for example, in the diner scene, again, it's a scene focusing on Robert Downey Jr., looks fucking shit in there. Um, and there's some other scenes that are, and, like, there's some scenes where they're just, like, outside, like, in a yard. Like, there's one point where they're they're in the driveway working on a car. Looks horrible. Yeah. 
Um, but you well, know. the more that's going on in the scene, the harder it is to animate. Yeah. You know, in a diner is there's lots of things going on. It in was a just showing the limitations of like what they could even do with what they're trying to do here. And actually, a few scenes they literally just show the original footage. Like, they don't even try to animate over it. Like, there's a part where they're, like, panning up. They're trying. It's just they're trying so badly. They're, well, it, it's just it's they, just they had terrible. to pick where they gave it in, uh, attention. It's not even... It's an independent movie. Like, they literally had to, like, just cut whichever corners had to be cut. And honestly, like, I, I don't know. I still think it looks extremely good and awesome and unique. I was thinking of a lot of Adult Swim shows while watching this like a uh, frisky dingo has a lot of this similar art style looks so much better I, it's unbelievable how much better it looks well it looks better because it it's it stays consistent with itself like it really doesn't look better it just looks more consistent like what you guys are seeing and like rejecting like with a ferocity is inconsistency in the quality of the animation and i get that but like i can just sweep that away it doesn't bother me at all and it, it bothers the fuck out of you guys which i understand i still think it sucks but we can move on and not talk about it anymore <laughs> that's right that's right so the um does anybody has anybody read a scanner darkly or whatever the story's called i think it is called that right it, it is just a scanner darkly i read the wikipedia page no, I haven't read it. and apparently it's the exact same plot if it has the morph suits where there it's like a it's like a disguise you put it it's like a full body all the way up to your head, zip up suit, and it completely like hides everything about you. Like it hides how you move, it hides every part of your face by replacing it with just a patch of some other person's body from that from that part of their body. Like the eyes are constantly changing, the nose, the mouth, everything like independently of each other. And if that's from the story, it is. Like that's why they decided to make this rotoscoped because there's no way to make that look good. With just regular CG, like the way they did it, I think was the only way to do it, or at least the only feasible way. Yeah, I mean, I didn't think that the suits looked bad at all. I think they probably animated the suits, and then they were like, "Oh, this looks fucking great." You know what I mean? Like they did like a test of the animation style, and they're like, "Well, let's let's test it out on the part that's going to be like one of the harder parts to do," and. uh and it looked cool, so they were just like, let's fucking do the whole movie like this. And they sort of bit off more than they could chew, obviously. I think uh, my main issues with this movie are, aside from the uh, story not being very engaging for me, um, I thought that the, the some of the performances were super missed opportunities. Like, I thought Robert Downey Jr. was probably the best actor in this movie. Yeah. Uh, Keanu Reeves is not, he's not a strong actor. I mean, I love him. I think he's a great guy, but I don't think he's a strong I think he's fine in this, as fine as he was ever going to be in 2006. Uh, Winona Ryder is a super great actor, and Woody Harrelson is a phenomenal actor, and I thought both of them were really just not great in this. I think that Megaville has uh, has reminded me of something that I did know, but I constantly forget, and that's that the acting where you are just a blank slate and you let other people like imprint their emotions into you, and then, like you know, like... Hart's constantly bringing up Blade Runner 2049 because he hates Ryan Gosling because Ryan Gosling... I didn't say that I hate him. I just say that that's exactly what he's doing. Okay, you don't hate him. That's fine. You, you bring it up a lot for someone who doesn't have strong feelings about it. People that love him, you're, you're, you're loving yourself. You're just like, oh man, all those emotions. So good. That, that's you. 
That's you. Complete. My point is that Billy Zane was not able to do this, even though he was playing effectively the exact same part. And he's an awesome actor. He was not able to play that part where you just imprint on him. We couldn't even see his fucking... We couldn't even see Keanu Reeves' face in this, ever, because it's all animated. But we still were able to do whatever it is we do with actors like Ryan Gosling and uh, Keanu Reeves. I think it's a type of acting that people think is easy because it doesn't look like they're doing anything, but not everyone can do. Because Billy Zane sucked ass at it in Megaville. And not just not just because he was uh, a new actor. He, he probably had pretty bad directing. I, I think if the movie, rest of the movie sucks around you, then it doesn't matter that that thing will never work. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. We're also, I think, I think, I think Billy Zane, he's a good actor, but I don't think he's really on the level of any of these four actors when it comes to consistency. Well, all I'm saying is like, uh, or work, there's no reason to think. I, I understand the reason why people think it's easy to do this Keanu Reeves, Ryan Gosling style of acting, but maybe it's not as easy as it looks. Maybe it's actually hard and, getting people to like love you even though you're doing basically nothing or seemingly doing nothing on screen maybe that is a thing like we just don't we can't perceive it i'm not arguing whether the fact that it's whether it's easy or hard i'm arguing the fact is that it doesn't make for an engaging character like it's not interesting it's boring but we also like, constantly talk about like you just did a minute ago that Ken Reeves isn't a strong actor. You literally said that. But he has his strengths. It, they just aren't the same as the ones that we value the most, like like the highest tier, like Leonardo DiCaprio style, like can do anything style of actor. My thing with where you're going with this, Phil, I, I, I see where you're going, and I agree with some of it, is you're trying to explain this to Steven when Steven has repeatedly said the only thing that he wants Keanu Reeves to do is not talk and kill people. Well, no, that's not true. I just don't think he's very good at anything other than that. Well, it's not that I only want him to... I want him to be a good actor because I think he has the potential to be, but maybe not at this point in his career because he's almost, uh, what, 50? He's probably 50s he's, now. He's mid-50s. But, like, and maybe he can change. A lot, of, a lot of actors get stronger as they go, but I just think that, like, he's at his best... When, when he, he doesn't is, talk, when he's the strong people. silent type. Yeah. When he isn't, his words come off as flat. He's not believable. He sounds a lot of times like a dummy. Not in this necessarily in this movie, but certainly in things like Dracula. I really liked him in Scanner Dark. Yeah, yeah he's fine. Bill and Ted. He sounds like a real idiot. And also, <laughs> when when I say that, I'm not saying you you're saying that. You know, I'm more saying where I stand on is I think he's really good at this. I mean, I think he's fine, but I don't think he's like. He, I, he's, I think he's fine. See that that that's my that's my very point. Is just that you're saying that he's not very good, and he's only good when he's doing these very specific things. And what I'm saying is like maybe it's not so easy to do those specific things, and you just think that it is like. Because not everyone can do that, acting-wise. Sub I guess subjectivity of whether you like something is what it is, but I'm just saying that, like, I think it he's just not that great. Whether it's hard or easy, it doesn't fucking matter. It's completely irrelevant whether the, it's hard so or the easy. The idea of, of the movie is that uh, he is a undercover cop that is a, ends up investigating himself because this, this suit thing is so goddamn stupid. It's a cool idea. But you would not use the suit in your office because you would, if you're putting on a show, the people backstage get to know who you are. <laughs> okay, this is it does not make any fucking sense. It's it's a plot contrivance. Yeah, it's also a really good way to have people infiltrate. No matter what, nothing is safe. 
Like, how do you know that that person is that person, like, every single time? It's, the idea is to perfectly protect his identity so that he can't be found out by this company that basically owns the entire world and all of the world's governments. Like, the idea is that literally nobody can be trusted because that's the only way he's getting in backstage to their world once his brain is all fried from the drugs. He, they literally have to nobody know who the fuck he is. If this is and the only case, his superiors have an idea of who he is. If this is the case, then they would not allow him, they would not allow this practice of wearing the suits amongst each other for this very reason. But we well, have to just skip over the fact that it doesn't make any goddamn sense to to continue with the movie. So he's investigating himself and uh but he doesn't even realize that he is himself at this point. Sort of. Cuz he's just yeah. that he's is that far gone. Drug, drugs are a hell of a drug. Son, once you go D, substance D is the name of the drug. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned. That. I don't think we did. Saying this to Steven before we started recording. I feel like to actually talk about the plot of this movie the movie, not necessarily the book. I feel like you have to talk about what, like, right before the end segment to kind of get where this is going. Because the general problem with the way this movie is formatted is we have sections where we see Keanu Reeves as the cop at the, like, cop area, right? And, like, them doing, like, psyche valves and things like that. And then we get other sections where he's not in the scramble suit and... It's basically just him hanging out with Robert Downey Jr. and Woody, Woody Harrelson having really long, like, paranoid conversations about just how things work. And and that's the good part of the movie. When they're just hanging out. That is the bulk it's like, of it. I got a couple of laughs out of that. That was, like, that was the high points. The high points? The high points, D-Heart? Yes. The 18-speed bike does have nine gear because it's multiplied. That's the joke. Like, <laughs> it's it's them. And and at the same time, um, a lot of the things they're pointing out so far as, like, being paranoid about the government and about companies and about, like, all the people that control their lives is that they're 100% right about those things. And then they turn around and say some crazy shit like, oh, yeah, well, they take your – they don't take your uh, – they don't chop off your dick whenever you go into – for drug rehab. They just take your spleen. <laughs> it's like that's that's nonsense like you're crazy for the story again from the book and not the movie the, the wild thing about the book being written in 1977 and the general gist being that there is a government body that is putting drugs out that is then getting people addicted to said drugs that's real life like mk ultra it well it's fucking crack cocaine yeah it's a, it, pretty much any drug yeah MK Ultra is a different thing. Yeah, I mean it is, but it's not really. No, they were trying to use drugs for versions of mind control. You're, you're using M- the phrase MK Ultra to just mean LSD, but like. Well, no. What I'm saying is that the the whole the whole idea was the same. They were giving it to just fucking anybody. Like they weren't even telling people what the fuck it was when they were giving them. Yeah, but they were they, but with the goal in mind of not controlling them or not controlling the population, but controlling them specifically and using them to go do a thing that they want them to do. I more or less meant the uh, the sneakiness behind yeah. it. Yeah, and like I'm not even like I'm not even gonna go with like MK Ultra. I'm just simply just saying like Reagan. crack cocaine You're just was say in, Reagan. 
Yeah, Reagan. Yeah, fuck Reagan. I'm glad he's dead. But yeah, like this is the second podcast in a row where we've talked about Ronald Reagan being dead. Dude, it, it doesn't take me a whole lot to get get started on that. But like the government pushed crack cocaine. But like, with with it being a CIA project, he wouldn't he wouldn't have even known about it. Probably, I, I have no idea. But it's it's wild that the the story concept in the seventies CIA is just doing their own like, shit. Well, this is real life. It doesn't even approach it. Man, I'm not sure about the stoner comment. I'm going to call them stoners, even though that's not anywhere near accurate. I'm not sure about the the stoner conversations being the high point. Those are probably the least interesting parts to me. I understand those being the parts that D-Hart liked the most, but they were the least interesting. Do you know what's the least interesting part for me? The entire movie? No, no. I, there are parts of this movie I that know, I like. I'm just saying. Uh, I definitely like it more than Megaville. But uh, Woody Harrelson's hair. It's so like, bad. Oh, it's so shitty. Just like in the Surrogates podcast, like Bruce Willis does not get hair in movies. Leave him the fuck alone. Yeah. yeah. Woody Harrelson is the same. Do not put fucking hair on this man because no matter what, it always looks like shit. Yes. Go ahead and like bake it right into his name so everybody remembers. Stop putting fucking wigs on him. They should call him uh, Woody Hairless Son. I just happened to watch the Hunger Games movies Ooh. recently, uh, and Woody Harrelson, and they're good, actually. I actually no. enjoyed the Hunger Games movies. I just absolutely detested the entire last book, like the plot. I was like, wow, this is just fucking stupid. And then the movies, pl- they just follow the, the book, except for more exciting. But regardless, Woody Harrelson is in all four movies, and he has the exact same fucking hair in real life, not animated, in them as he does in this and i'm just i'm tired of this woody harrelson it's heinous it's heinous on a rating of one to ten how hungry were you mm. during the during the t- the titular games during the movie they're the hunger games yeah you know, how hungry that did, did you made it's true yeah you should have not eaten the entire time or maybe you maybe you rate how much it's wait maybe you rate it on how much you did eat it's like i was so hungry Best movie I've ever seen. <laughs> no, um, he was hungry like the wolf, as we all know. This movie really got me going, hunger-wise. So yeah, uh, the hair is heinous. It looks it looks like shit, and it's even worse because, first of all, like you said, Woody Harrelson simply shouldn't have that wig on. And second, most importantly, because the longness, like the the it, the specific length of his hair, means that it's going to move around a lot in real life. But you're not going to want to animate all that. So, the animation is a lot lazier on the stuff that moves a ton, uh, like constantly moves, and it and it's very odd. Rory Cochran's in this movie. He also has really bad long hair. Yeah, yeah. That guy, I I didn't even like seeing his face. <laughs> I hated. D Hart has just met too many of this guy and knows him and never wants to see him again. Like <laughs> you have been haunted throughout your career. <laughs> You know, Pizza Hut at the fucking Circle K. <laughs> I thought Rory Cochran was kind of a weird choice, uh, honestly, for that. Role. It is a weird choice, but he did a weirdly good job at that. He did such a good job that D Hart wanted him to leave, <laughs> like get out. And he wasn't in it that much. He was actually a very like small piece of the character pie. And in case what we've described so far with this movie isn't telling, like, the entire movie and the entire story is just a basis on Philip K. Dick's experience with these types of drugs. Yeah. Which I think killed him, by the way. I'm pretty sure uh, he died because of these drugs, if I remember correctly, but I'll have to look that up to make sure. Uh, I think please, he... please do, because that sounds like some Ronald Reagan-ass shit. Well, he did list himself in the... Uh... 
in the dedication yeah. of like people that were uh, lost to drugs. Yeah, he was he was fully insane by the time he died because of these drugs. Sounds like fun. <laughs> Again, I I really have to ask like fully insane because of the drugs or just fully insane and he took a lot of drugs which made it worse they caused a stroke and the stroke made him basically go brain dead at what the end. what what uh, specifically drugs are we talking dead, about because uh, you were talking about him doing lsd but it sounds like he was doing fucking coke he was i think he was doing a shitload of acid and lsd like a shit oh and amphetamines it said there acid and lsd are not going to literally break your body like they might fuck you up mentally if you're just like doing way too much, yeah, it literally has to be like those other drugs can't do that to your body. Okay, but uh, I was reminded of a story that I heard on a podcast where uh, apparently uh, Philip Kick's ex-wife says that uh, he believed like the events of the man in High Castle. It's like he was he would have dreams and think that those were. Like him in a different reality. Yeah, his dreams are extremely vivid. I guess. Yeah, that's fucking crazy, man. What a life. Rest in peace. So he, he really was either traveling to other dimensions or insane. <laughs> Do we know that it isn't? Maybe both. We we don't. We're know. reasonably we'll sure like parallel universes exist that are just exactly like ours, but only barely different. We, we kind of believe that, like, scientifically. They say a lot of things scientifically that they say they believe. Yeah, they're just it's guesses. Like, it's just for funsies. Yeah, it's like dark matter. <laughs> oh, yeah, it totally exists. Well, I mean, based on the math. The math couldn't be wrong. <laughs> I mean, and math might not be wrong. Math is... It, it might not, but most likely thing is it's probably wrong. Yeah. That's true. That's it. That's, that's <laughs> the Hawkins razor. Of all of the crazy mat, uh, uh, science shit we don't understand. So, yeah, it turns out that, um, just to wrap up real quick, it turns out that the police organization, I can't remember if we even ever know, Sheriff's Department or something, I can't remember what they say it is. Yeah. But the police organization that's tr- that's trying to do this investigation is actually... This is just an extremely roundabout way to get Keanu Reeves hooked on Substance D and then have him get recruited by the company that makes Substance D and then maybe he'll he'll be such a good enough cop and such it had just the right amount of of, uh, of of brain manipulation having gone on that he'll remember to do a task once he gets there and then whenever he leaves he'll be able to like help them uncover some shit. They did kind of plant this idea earlier in the movie because she said that she wanted to move away to the mountains with uh, something about blue flowers. It's like the setting was set before his mind was completely toast. Yeah, and then she also later said, hey, did you get those flowers? Like a little bit later, she does it again. And it's like they're trying to slow cook somebody's brain to the like, to the millimeter of madness. <laughs> like, like, oh, we don't want him to be too crazy. Mentally, he's gone, but he, uh, this last, this little bit of encoded instructions has stuck somehow because he's uh, working on the farm and he finds one of the blue flowers and he uh, puts it in his shoe to, to save it for his friends that he'll see at Thanksgiving. That's uh, his visitors who are cops. So maybe he'll, he will get to escape eventually maybe he'll help them with a uh you know a court case to prosecute this company 
And maybe further on down the line, they'll invent some sort of a dream programming machine where they can fix his brain back to the way it's supposed to be. Sure. Just. <laughs> I'm just. I'm just being the, the. I'm just. I'm just trying to add like a happy ending onto like the most depressing like science fiction writer of all time. <laughs> the happy ending of a scanner darkly. <laughs> the happy ending is a. Uh, uh, he gets his name written down in a uh, in the book book of records. Uh, when they write down the history book, it's like, this is the guy that brought it all down. I mean, sure, he doesn't know that because his brain is fucking toast. But it's actual mush. Yeah, to, yeah. to be, be fair to Philip trying to put a happy little bow on this, the conversation that Winona Ryder has uh, in a diner with another person, they do basically say this exact thing because this is the conversation at the end of the movie where they now tell us the plot of the movie. I'm not sure we would understand what friends he was talking about if they didn't, like, basically spell it out completely. Yes, I agree with that. that yeah. Oh, these are the friends. They're going to bring down the whole organization. Hooray. Well, I mean, it's a dystopia, so of course there's always going to be another drug company. Probably just replace it with a different one. Seems to be the whole human experience sort of situation. So basically, the moral of the story is there was a good reason why I got banned from... Uh, making picks secretly and <laughs> lost it lo- lost my picks a couple of weeks last year and that's apparently i just pick some shitty depressing ass movies it's where i would like to explore apparently well what would you say cheats in a diggity style scale just hypothetically speaking decided to all uh talk about one movie and then the other on our diggity scale um for megaville picked completely at random yeah um I would give it hardly any diggity because it is boring as shit. <laughs> um, there, there, there are some like nuggets of like some interesting ideas. So that it's, I would... just to make this clear, cheats, it's not shitty and depressing, but it is boring as shit. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, it's not not great, man. I um, feel like you have to be interested in it for it to be depressing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think what I said in the car was, was, it's interesting, but it's boring. And it, I think my response was, but, but it's not interesting. Yeah. <laughs> um, there, there's about Jesus. three minutes of something interesting that I would like to see adapted into, into specifically a short story. Three and, minutes, and then you want to watch a trailer? No, I said into a, into a short story. You want to turn three minutes into a short story? I guarantee you, there's a three minutes. Uh, three minutes of this movie could be adapted into a decent idea, and then be extrapolated into a, a short story of some sort. What's the point? I think you could take three minutes of this movie and make a pretty decent trailer. Yep. Say, oh, sure, and then I'll you'll watch be that. fooled. You'll be walking through the desert with some shitty fucking narrator. <laughs> exactly. Who's also your dad. That's a good way for me to hate your fucking movie. <laughs> <laughs> you show me a trailer. Okay, well, I'm going to jump in here. Uh, I'm going to also agree with cheats. I don't like to give hardly hardly any. No, yeah, you can't. You can't. Yeah. I kind of kind of stuck there for this one. It's like I was I was thinking lo- lowest end of slight rise, but. That's too much. No. It's too much. Hardly any from me. Mm. I didn't actually get any kind of enjoyment out of this. <laughs> it, it's a hardly any for all of us. I mean, obviously, I literally tried to pull the fucking plug on it. I was literally going to be like, let's just watch Total Recall. Okay, but what about Steven? He just said, hardly any. I did. I'm oh, not going to elaborate any further on that. It's just hardly any. <laughs> I knew it. That's a fair point. Um, I will elaborate, though. I'll say that Billy Zane um, is a fine actor, 
and uh, he has some really good performances. Just none of them are in this movie. And it sucked. And I really, I honestly almost want to give it no diggity, all except for that. That's We've watched the no diggity movies, and they're not movies. So yeah, hardly any. Hardly any for me, too. That's all. So I had another section on diggity scale that's just an iota of diggity. <laughs> <laughs> a microscopic scrap. A fucking, a tiny morsel of diggity. Well, that would be hardly any. Oh, so, shit. You know. Yeah, that's my point. <laughs> like, basically zero. <laughs> that was the whole idea. Hardly any. What a hilarious thing. Okay. Um, so, Scanner Darkly, uh, I liked... I was very surprised to learn that I liked it more now than I did then. Um, I thought it would be... I thought the animation would bother me because it did the first time I watched it. Didn't bother me at all. I thought that the kind of like plotting, like conversational pace of this movie was was kind of difficult to take the first time, but this time I just 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 strolled right through. Like it was like I was just hanging out with these buddies, just doing their crazy drug guy thing, and uh, yeah, I just enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I and I I generally like the nugget ideas of Philip K. Dick stories and some some of the elaborations on those. So. I will give Scanner Darkly a fair amount of diggity. Okay, well, while I would agree with you that, that I liked it more than I liked it last time, last time I fucking hated it. So uh, I'm, yeah. <laughs> I'm putting it in slight rise and never thinking about it again. <laughs> it should be grateful it even got that much. It, it is forbidden. I'll go next. Man, it feels like such a disservice of this movie to put it in the same category as Megaville because Megaville is so much worse. Uh, the animation is one of my favorite things about it. I think it's fun and unique and uh, deserving of a fair amount. I, I'd say that the movie is deserving of a fair amount of diggity. And for Robert Downey Jr.'s performance, I feel like that in the vast ocean that is the Marvel Cinematic Universe... Uh, people often forget what a powerful and fun actor Robert Downey Jr. can be uh, in movies like this. I don't know that they forget. I Absolutely. think they do. He's celebrated it. People are all too aware now that he's not in it. <laughs> I think that they uh, they do forget because performances like Natural Born Killers and uh, this and Zodiac and like other quirky standout performances, which like kind of get covered up from his last ten years of work. Mm aren't really brought up often and i think that's it's one of the shining moments of this movie so uh unfortunately the disappointment of some of the other performances and the overall story and pacing of the movie kind of bring it way down for me because uh i thought it was fine when i first watched it i wasn't as blown away as everybody was kind of wanting them to be when it came out uh because of the unique uniqueness of the uh animation but when i watched it this time it was about the same reaction from me so it's fair amount because if we didn't do Megaville, I'd probably put it at the high end of Slight Rise, but because we did, and there's no way in fuck I'm putting both these movies in the same category, uh, no offense, D-Heart, uh, they're just I mean, miles apart. Did you so. put Megaville and Slight Rise? What are you talking about? We all gave it hardly yeah. any diggity. Oh, that's... Yeah, we all get. Okay, never mind. <laughs> no, we all did hardly any for Megaville because it is hardly in a, even a thing. Oh, then I'll go. I'll go high end of slight rise. <laughs> this whole time, I'm like, "What is he talking about?" 
Yeah, I don't know. I thought it was a. Uh, for some reason, I thought we had put it in slight rise. Your name is Bob Arctor. Uh, my score for Scanner Darkly is a fair amount of diggity, but my caveat is I don't think this movie is really worth watching just on its own at this point. Um, I really only think it's interesting to watch if like you're either studying Philip K. Dick or you're curious about animation or you want to like look at like conversational pieces. I think it's interesting from like a like trying to learn about film standpoint, but as just far as like some rando just picking this movie to watch it, nah, you're gonna be bored as hell. Will you ever watch this movie again? I'll probably never watch this movie. Okay, again. so fair amount, but not <laughs> worth watching. Thank you, cheats. Fair amount of diggity, not worth watching. Cheats, you, you are you are just the absolute king of this. <laughs> you will literally say I like chicken nuggets and I also despise chicken nuggets and here is all of my evidence to support both of those claims and I will not clarify further <laughs> how I could possibly love and hate them. That's insane. Like you can't say it's a worthless piece of shit no one should even watch it unless they're studying film and then also give it in the middle of our fucking scale. It's the middle. Because I didn't say it was a worthless piece of shit. <laughs> Your first thing you said was it's not worth watching. I said it's not worth watching for some rando. Like, if, if you're just some person that doesn't that. give a shit about movies, I you're just that. like, I'm just going to put something on. We just love to give you shit, cheats. We just love it. Casual film watchers will not enjoy this movie. No, and, and none of us here are casual watchers. No. Please pass. I mean, me and D-Hart <laughs> casually watch bullshit. <laughs> we're, we're waiting for cocaine bear they're casual watchers of some genres of film <laughs> yeah we're anxiously awaiting the the cinematic masterpiece cocaine bear i do really want to watch that well, yeah of Just course you clear. do <laughs> i i have no interest in cocaine bear it is the it is hurricane heist to me which i was burned by i was excited the first trailer i saw for hurricane heist i thought this is gonna be fun like they're gonna just do whatever they want and it sucked. A guy could smell hurricanes, I'm pretty sure, if I'm remembering right. My question is, Philip, did Hurricane Heist have a bear on cocaine? You know it? what? Okay, then. I'll bring up another example. <laughs> Willie's Wonderland, where Nicolas Cage stars and says literally zero lines. I liked Willie's Wonderland. <laughs> yeah. Willie's Wonderland is trash. I liked it. <laughs> Literally hardly any diggity for Willy's Wonderland. Yeah, me, movies that are basically only made to be memes. Like Snakes on a Plane. Yes. Meme movies. Got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We could. We could do that. We, I think we did Snakes on a Plane. We did do Snakes on We did Snakes on a Plane already, but I, we didn't talk about it as... This is a new term that I thought We talked of. about it as a meme. We didn't do uh, Goats on a Boat, though. We didn't refer to it as a meme movie. You're right about that. But we did talk about the fact that it was highly a meme, and that was like all of the marketing campaign was just like, look how much of a meme this is. Snakes on a plane? Well, I don't know if the term existed. <laughs> no, it didn't. I'm saying you invented the term, for well, sure. We haven't done Snakes on a Train. <laughs> is that a real movie? Snakes on a Train is a real movie. Ugh. And Goats on a Boat is a real movie. Ugh. No, it's not. God damn. Okay, yeah. So probably don't watch these movies if you're still listening. And uh, 
let's go ahead and finish up. If you want to tell your friends about us, they can find us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, uh, Amazon Music, pretty much anywhere you get your podcast from. Uh, if you want to send us some feedback, you can find us on uh, Facebook and Instagram at Motion Picture Meltdown and Twitter at NPM Podcast. I've been one of your hosts, Stephen the Rose Rosenberg. Bill the Kill Collins. Cheats the streets of Megaville McGee. Andy Hart. We'll see you next time.